Welcome everyone to the very latest Bolt from the Blue podcast. What a what a night! What a night! It, it, it's been unbelievable. Who could have um, predicted? Uh, certainly the Arsenal score, but we're not interested in that. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But um, guys, uh, it was a very very interesting uh, four two three one lineup. I think here we go. Uh, we'll go to uh, uh, both guys about this. We have Ederson. We have uh, Kyle Walker. I have to tell you guys, I was impressed by that guy. Laporte, I, I didn't predict that. I don't know if either of the two guys did. Uh, Diaz, Akanji, Gundogan. We're going to talk about that guy a lot. Uh, Rodri, Mares, uh, Ray's favorite player. And what a fantastic performance he put in. Uh, Phil Foden, Alvarez, and Holland on the bench. Ortega, uh, Moreno, Phillips, Gomez, Palmer, Lewis, Stones, Grealish, De Bruyne, and Silva. And uh, we always do this because it, I think it's just a mark of respect to to the other team. But we were playing Everton. Um, we had there in their team uh, Pickford, Patterson, uh, Mina. I think. Um, one of the guys might have something to say about Yeri Mina, uh, Tarkovsky, Holgate, uh, Idrissa Gay, uh, <laughs> Garner, Iwobi, Dukuri, uh, Dwight McNeil looks a little bit of a player, him, and uh, Calvert uh, Lewin. So let's go very, very quickly to uh, Bernard. And Bernard, um, what did you think about that lineup? And uh, uh, what did you, what uh, did, did you have any sort of, uh, predictions about how that might turn out? Yeah, I mean, obviously it was four changes to the Real Madrid game, uh, which is borderline. It's okay. I was hoping for two or three. I I put six in mind. So, I mean, obviously it was far better for me. I was happy with that because I got, I got nine right. I had um, I had Stones and Bernardo I had in, in my team uh, for Diaz. And who did they have uh, Bernardo in for? Um no, no, not Maris. Um, Alvarez, was it? Probably, yeah. yeah I deleted my little thing, but obviously I had Stones and Bernardo style. But I was happy with that. I was happy at less than five or six. So four changes, a good enough team uh, for me, that one on the day. And obviously, got to miss KDB's creativity. So we needed certain players like a certain Gundo to, to step up, didn't we? But uh, fortunately, he did. Mm-hmm. What did you think about um, the whole lineup, Ray? Um, it's, it's it's quite funny actually. I mean, I'm, obviously, I did I did pick Laporte. Um, that was the, I thought that was an easy one to pick was Laporte because um, when we discussed it with, uh, with 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 Bernard and, and I think on the pod, you know, last time I said I wanted us to get us to play most of uh, our better players, but also integrate the players that weren't included in, in the last game in the game against Madrid. So that included people like Laporte, Alvarez, um and Mares um and Foden. So but so i think when we discussed it we wanted a mix. We wanted a mix of as I said some of the players who didn't feature against Madrid but not changing it too much. And I think we talked about five or six, hadn't we Bernard? I think you, when we mm. talked last time you talked about six changes. I think I wanted about five I think this was this was better than we could have expected because we we, we were 
let's be honest, it was a pretty strong side still. Now that's the fortune fortune we have at City. You know, I'm still hearing it from Arsenal fans and other fans and pundits talking about City have two players in each position and they have the the, they have the strength in depth. They have the strongest squad, the biggest squad in the Premier League. No, no, guys. City have used the fewest players in the Premier League. Okay? It just so happens we've got about 16 really good players. And you can interchange. People, and it, it doesn't make it weaker. We've got options. We've got variety. Um, other teams have got more players than us. It's just that we work on a small number and keep them good. So, yeah, I mean, it, it's... Obviously, we, you know, I'm not giving give any secrets away. We all know what the result was, um, but I think the good thing was we managed to rest people like Stones, Grealish, uh, KDB, Bernardo Silva. Those four players uh, pretty much got a rest. I think you know Grealish uh, and Bernardo came on for the last ten or twelve minutes, but a lot of players got a rest, which which was fantastic. Uh, and then, as I as I said the last pod, you know, some of the defenders. Um, you know, you can you don't worry too much because we've got six or seven. You know, we're still on the bench. I'd Rico Lewis and, and Stones on the bench, so you're not going to worry too much uh, about the, the Madrid game. And the other, the great thing is we're going into the Madrid game full of confidence because obviously Arsenal uh, bottle jobbers. They they you know they've almost handed us the title, so we are going to go uh, in against Madrid feeling really confident. We've got win behind us, eleven on the bounce in the Premier League. Over 20 games unbeaten. Um, and that's what I wanted. I wanted momentum and uh, a win. And we've got that. Bernard, um, let me know your feelings about Sean Dyche. Because, I mean, this guy confuses me. I have to, I have to say, I'm not quite sure um, what to make of him. I mean, they absolutely battered Brighton, who then battered Arsenal. I mean, it's kind of, it's the whole sort of end to the season is very, very unpredictable. I don't know what to make of that guy, Bernard. I mean, what what sort of a manager do you think he is? I've not, I've not seen Everton since he took over. This is the first time I've actually seen. I've seen highlights, bits and bobs of him, but I thought he did quite well with that team he's got there, in fairness. Uh, we, we know he's what he did at Burnley and I think he was at Burnley far too long that was the problem and I think any manager he perhaps needed uh, to follow you know to to plough a new a new furrow or whatever somewhere else before he did and I think obviously it just sort of backfired on him staying you know being, being stay, I'm sure he got offers I'm sure he got offers to go elsewhere while he was at Burnley there's no certainly no doubt about it but I was quite impressed with how Everton set up because He's got some uh, reasonable players up front as well. He's not. We always think of him as very physical and defensive. And apart from one bloke, which we'll talk about, that big thug that they've got, uh, you know, he should be playing for Real Madrid. I think that uh, what's his name, uh, Ray, the, the guy at the back, the big, big, big lanky piece of whatever. Uh, what's his name? Um, Are you talking about Lewis Dunk? No, Mina, Mina. Oh yeah, yeah. Jerry, Jerry Mina. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he, he sort of think of him as a diet player, but oh, he was the only one really for Everton that I've seen Everton teams in the past uh, with with more expansive managers, be far more physical. But it was just seemed to be that Mina just wanted to stick, you know, pinch and punch and push and pull and do various things. 
I was quite impressed with Dyche. As I say, I've not, I wasn't overly impressed in the last two or three years at Burnley. But I think even in his early days at Burnley, I thought he was okay. I thought it was it was at that level. He was fine for what he is, and I, I still think now probably he could get Everton out of this without seeing them. I probably wouldn't have thought that. But uh, no, I, I think he he stayed too long at Burnley. That was his problem, and uh, he's a prat. Of course, I've seen him interviewed. He says some stupid things, but he, he wears his heart on his sleeve. So I've no, I've nothing against him. Uh, Ray, there, there's no way that even you would have predicted uh, that result, uh, Everton against uh, Brighton, because Brighton are quite a good team. And that that, that was an outstanding result. I, 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 I think mean, Everton had five shots on target, yeah. scored five goals, yeah. so that says it all, really. Anybody who predicted that Brighton result against Everton is either crazy or a liar. There's no other way about it because Brighton have been in such good form, um, challenging potentially for the Champions League or certainly for, for the Europa League. Uh, and Everton have been, you know, fighting against relegation for, for years. Um, so there's no way anybody would have predicted that, um, you know. And it, it's it, that result might be the one result that saves Everton at the death, round of the death of the season. That might be the one that saves them and, and you know, allows, um, you know, well, I think it was an outside shot that um, Brighton could have made the Champions League, but fingers crossed, um, you know, obviously they did as a favour against Arsenal. I hope we, um, I'm not bothered if we lay down for them <laughs> uh, when we play them in in, in a week or so's time. Because um, I'd like to see them in Europe and, you know, uh, they're, they're a very exciting, uh, entertaining team to watch. He's took it. He's took mm-hmm. it to another level, hasn't he, Brighton? Dazu, what he's called. He's yeah, he thought he played very, very Deserve well. Under, yeah, yeah well, under he's, under Potter, he's, but he, he's, he's he's took him to to. You know, we always thought with Brighton, if they found someone who could score goals, they would be they would be fine. And obviously, he's not, he's not he's not found a a guy like that. But they seem to be coping all, all right without a. a what they did do. What they did do that was really good. They got rid of Neil Morpay, sent him along to Everton, <laughs> some money out of that. But the one thing I got to ask you a question, this Bernard. Do you think after what we saw, what happened with Potter, was Potter actually holding Brighton back? Everybody's talked about him doing wonders and everything else, but hmm. the way the Deserbi's taken them to the next level, do you think Potter was holding them back? Not necessarily. I mean, how, how many years was he there? Uh, Three years or something. Yeah, but again, with the same thing with Deitch. I mean, you, you get to a level, I think, where you perhaps for yourself and for the team you're at. Uh, obviously, we don't want that to happen with Pep. He's, 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 we want him there forever, which isn't going to happen. But I think Potter had the same problem. I think he perhaps needed that change, but not to do what he did and go over to to Chelsea, of course. But uh, yeah, because he. I remember when watching the first time I ever went to Brighton. First, I'd, I'd been to the old Goldstone ground, but I went to the Amex about three, four seasons ago, the first time. And they were crap. I mean, that's when I, I thought Cucurella was brilliant, you know, so that shows how much I know about football. But, you know, they, they were brilliant. They were pl- excellent. I mean, we, we beat them 4 1, but it was so unfair. Um, but I think he's. I think Potter did as much as he could with them, but obviously this this new guy's realised the potential he's got, the great plays he's got, and he's taken it to a, a slightly better level. Well, guys, we we were in the lovely position of being able to rest John Stones, Bernardo Silva, Kevin De Bruyne, and Grealish, 
And we were able to bring in Laporte, uh, Mares, Foden and Alvarez. That that was very, very encouraging, uh, Ray, wasn't it? Even though um, I know everyone was saying that, oh, you know, City have got the deepest squad uh, in the league. But it's an easy glib thing to say for people who don't do any research. Ignorance is bliss for them. City have used the fewest players in the Premier League. Okay, when you look at the City squad, I think, look at the players that started. Okay, look, we are fortunate. You've got a player like Haaland who's doing the business uh, at an incredible level. And you've got Alvarez, who I think has scored 15 goals this season for City, who would get into pretty much any other Premier League team. But you look at the 11 that started, and if you add in Stones, Grealish, KDB, I'd include Ortega, Bernardo Silva, Probably Lewis as well. That's one, two, three, four, five, six more players. And Aki, seven. We've got about 18 players, 17 to 18 players, okay, who you don't mind who starts. You, after that, you've got – the drop-off is quite stark because you drop off to Phillips, Palmer, and Gomez. So 18 cracking players who you don't mind – you know, you know, other teams have got a lot more squad depth than City. It's just that our squad depth is quality uh, through and through. Uh, other teams need to work to get to the same position we are. And obviously, we lost uh, Cancelo uh, um, um, as well. So we've, we, you know, we are weaker than we were. I'd actually argue we're stronger now that Cancelo's not here. But we're weaker than, than we were when we started in back in August. Um, so yeah. Certainly not got the deepest squad, but we've got the best squad. Guys, great news before kickoff where Guardiola was telling us that uh, Nathan Aki is much, much better. Not quite there yet, but almost there. I think that's um, that's very encouraging, uh, Bernard, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, obviously, we're not going to see him against Real Madrid, are we, on that, on that basis? But, of course, as we get to the last couple of weeks of the season, which will hopefully stretch to the 10th of June, um, it'll be a wonderful asset to get back if we can get him fully fit and, and ready. Although I have total faith in the guys that are doing the job of Kanji, for instance, at the moment, uh, based on what we've seen. But uh, it's just great to have him back. Uh, and touch wood, no one else picks up an injury, but it's highly likely someone will be between now and uh, the 3rd and 10th of June with two, two finals to come. Hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, one of them anyway. So, yeah, uh, it'd be useful to have Aki back, but... I've got faith now if we can get through this weekend. Uh, a lot of players have got to get rest if it all goes our way. You say we've still got to pick up two points, still got to get them, and we've still got them. Oh, obviously, if Forrest do us a favour, I'm not going to be too worried on Saturday if they do us a little favour. Even a draw is a disaster for Arsenal. Even a draw, we, we won it, really, uh, if we draw. So, yeah, uh, there'll be a lot of relaxation and a lot of fun in the camp uh, in the build-up to the to these finals. I think, um, and of course, Aki, Aki suit will have that extra time to get to get back fully fit. It was a, a very very interesting start. You, we had uh, Laporte uh, Bernard at centre back and a Kanji uh, on the left. Uh, Ray, I'm not quite sure. Um, what Akanji's best um, <laughs> position is. He, he can play on the left, he can play on the right, he can play centre-back. And that was... I mean, how much did we pay for him? Uh, about 10, 12 million quid. Bye. Uh, he, he, Bye. He's worked out quite he, well, hasn't he? he, he, he he's, not a, he's, he's not 
he doesn't convince me going forward. That's yeah. the only thing with the Kanji. But that's not what we brought him for. That wasn't <laughs> what he brought. He was brought in for, and he's, he's working on that. But he's a bit like Walker when he goes forward. I, I think well, nothing's going to happen. But uh, sorry, Ray, go on, mate. No, no. I was, was going to say um, one of the interesting things is um, when you look at the versatility in in our squad because Kanjis can play anywhere across the back. Walkers. You know, died in the wool uh, right back. Ruben Diaz, he plays at uh, left and right centre back. Laporte can play at left back and left centre back. And we said, obviously, Akanji plays uh, across the back line. Um, Stones plays right back, centre back, DM. You know, Gundogan can play DM or attacking midfielder. Um, you know, all through that team, Forden can play on the left, he can play on the right, he can play an attacking midfielder. Um, even Edison can play play out if he wanted to. Besides goal, and I, I think that's that's one of the. Is it? Well, that's, a, Pe- that's Pep, isn't it? That's Pep. No other manager even perhaps thinks of doing that sort of stuff with players. Um, it, it's just Pep all over, isn't it? I mean, he takes these players. Other other clubs, other managers would would stick him. And this is what I perhaps like about the Brighton guy. I think he's got a similar frame of mind, doesn't he, to to what Pep does. And obviously, that's you know, any any young manager coming through uh, would adapt to what Pep's doing, and that's what Pep did with it with the, the managers he worked under, of course. So. Yeah, there'll be some clever guys out there now, you know, young managers who we, we don't not really aware of yet that will take it onto another level. I think at some stage. Yeah, no, it it it, it, it was it, it took us a while to get into that first half, but um, I'm interested in, in this uh, comment. I, I I think that I've read here on the Guardian, and they're talking about Rodri Ray and. Um, they're talking about uh, Pep's understanding of the need for a real bastard in 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 midfield, and um, he's beginning to turn into that. I think Ray. He's got everything, and people are now um, uh, quite unequivocally saying he's the best DM in the world. You know, there's very few dissenting voices because if you remember, I mean, he's played a lot of games at City. I think. Uh, the lowest number of games I'm re- reading a stat is played about 46 in a season, and this season he's already played 51. So he plays a lot of games. He doesn't get many injuries, and he's always putting in good performances. Yeah, Bernie crossing his fingers there. But the thing is, apart from that um, first season where we thought, mm, you know, he didn't have the dark arts, he didn't know what to do. He still, I think, occasionally gets caught out on the wrong side. But he's added another dimension to his game. When we first got him, we just thought he's a defensive midfielder. That's all he's going to do is be very defensive. But we can see now that, you know, he's, what, 26, 27 now? He's flourishing. He's not just a defensive, a very good defensive midfielder, you know, snuffing out danger, seeing what, uh, you know, uh, the opponents are, are doing sometimes before they do it. He's popping up with some great goals as well. He's a presence in the uh, opposition box. He's, a, he's got a good height on him and a good power. Obviously, we've seen some wonderful goals that he scored for us. Um, um, I thought, did he? Did he? He scored a goal against Villa as well. Was it last season? Was that the one? He's from yeah, that was that was the worldy. Yeah, yeah. So, do you think, do you, think he, do you think he lacks that sort of killer ball that Fernie used to do, though? Um, I don't think he's. I, I think he's progressing. I think he's progressing. I don't know where 
you know where his limit is. And, and I remember and that's actually something when we bought him the the ex Barcelona manager and ex Spain manager uh, was it Garcia? He said he's he's he can be better than Busquets. I don't know where his level will be. I mean that's how highly. That's the praise he got before, you know, on, on, on talking about his potential. Obviously, that first season, I thought, was the guy blind? Was he, you know, walking with a white stick? Because uh, that, that wasn't the Rodri we saw. But now, he's got so many facets to his game. That killer ball, I think he's getting better, you know. And sometimes you only notice the killer ball if someone kills it. So, you know, you can put a great cross in, a great through ball. If someone doesn't score from what should be an easy chance... It's easier to forget than the one. I mean, if I tell you, I'll mention a, a game against Stoke. We beat them 7-2. KDB put a cross in from the right touchline around the halfway line all the way past the defence to the far post. Someone, I can't remember who was it, Sani or whoever came running in and tapped it in. And, you know, even now, that's about four or five years ago. I have got that picture in my mind. It was that good. It was that good because it, it was finished off. How many times do you remember a great through ball that there was no goal? Because you don't see them again and again and again on the telly. So you know, maybe that's a little bit unfair on Rodri. You know, if people scored from his passes, we, we'd think, hey, he's got a good, um, you know, he's a good assister as well. But uh, his, his games in, seems to have improved every single year. And now, I think the testament to Rodri has been until recently is when he doesn't play, you miss him. And I think that's the biggest um, credit you can give him when he doesn't play. You miss him. Having said that... I think when he doesn't play, and we have to play two players in that position as well. I think that's a big compliment. We have to play a different way as well. Um, But we we do cope. And I think that's another good thing about yesterday. No KDB, (laughs) no problem. Mm -hmm. I I don't want to go through a season without KDB. But the odd game here and there... No problem. We cope. We move on. We have that adaptability, that flexibility, that versatility with, throughout the squad, and we can move on. We can cope. Well, guys, um, not being very reluctant to to blow our own trumpet, but we did get the first um, um, interview with um, Sid Lowe when I asked him about Rodri, and um, he said this this guy is going to be something special for you. He's not quite as nasty as Fernandinho, um, Bernard, but he's he's got other things uh, to his game. Yeah, he has. I mean, I remember in the early days of watching him, I, I was struggling to appreciate what other people were seeing in him because, you know, I used to do, if I wasn't at the game, I'd do a little sheet of paper and put crosses and ticks against players when I saw him do something. And Rodri always seemed to go underneath the radar, but, that was sometimes you just don't notice him. You just because he's getting on with what he's doing, and the same with Ferner. Ferner at his peak was exactly the same. You know, you don't tend to notice him that much, but people are telling you how wonderful he is. Uh, and I had to grow into him because I, I I thought the same. I thought the same about Rodri. I mean, is uh, we like? I used to complain about his height as well that he never used to get his uh, getting the box as much, you know, corners and, and and free kicks, etc. But obviously, he's even improved that part of his game as well. So he's uh, perhaps defensively he could improve for corners, but then the whole team could. I thought we were awful on the corners yesterday. I thought we struggled a little bit uh, with the 
Everton's, I wouldn't say the physicality, but obviously we, we they were sort of winning everything. It was just, uh, it, it was a, a couple of cracking corners. We struggled and Rodri, Rodri could do better uh, defensively in those sort of set pieces. But yeah, uh, as I say, I, I did have, not a downer on him, but I did, I did struggle to understand and, I think, as of you know, with my old brain, I, I finally realised now what he do, what he does bring to us, and he can improve. Uh, as Ray said, there, there's still aspects of that game. I said that I mentioned the killer ball. He can definitely can definitely improve on certain aspects, and I'm sure he's at the right place to do it. As long as long certainly as long as Pep's there, which again is only another couple of years in theory, uh, he can do that. Ray, there, there is a slight difference, I think between Rodri and Ferner, and um, that, that is this one thing. I think when you're in, when you're in the centre of midfield and um, uh, Fernandinho has the ball and he's winding up for a strike, you, you, you kind of felt it would go into Rosette. <laughs> but um, with, with Rodri, you, you kind of get excited, don't you? Because he, he's much more accurate, I think. He's not as... Not as nasty a bastard as Fernandinho was, but he he certainly has um, he's got a shot on him. Well, I think I think that's imp- uh, the thing. You, you you remember the shots, you remember the goals. You know he's got obviously. Here we go. I'll ask you both this question. Remind me of a, of a great Fernandinho goal. Can you remind me of any Fernandinho goal? Leeds United, that was a good one at Ellen Road. Yep. Remember that one? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> remember he scored two against Arsenal, I think. Um, dinking the second one over the keeper. You're talking about the 6 3. Yeah, yeah. Um, but Rodri, there's a few that you remember, and they've all been about 25 yards or 22 yards, something like that. Uh, and they've all been. Th- Thunders, uh, you can finish that sentence off. Been, I, I did have uh, my Rodgers rocket gif on 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 ice for a while. I remember yeah. that it wasn't used for a long, long time at one stage. <laughs> and then then he come come up crumbs up. No, he's a great, he's a great player, and uh, um, you know as, as we've said, he's he's in he's in he's coming to his prime, so he's still improving. And um, you know he's not perfection yet, but he's not far away. Well, guys. Um, I, I thought Everton performed reasonably manfully up to about the half an hour mark, but this goal by Gundogan on the thirty-seventh <laughs> minute, uh, Bernard, I, I, I don't even know how to describe that, so I'm going to have to ask you to help me because that seemed to defy physics. What the hell was going on there? How the hell did he get that in? Well, I think my lad called it a disgrace in a good way. <laughs> it's just disgraceful what he did. And, and that's what, because he had to readjust, didn't he? It was so, it was so funny because, and it was quite, I've watched a little little view of it today with from the background. You can see Phil Foden sort of putting his arms up, hoping for, a, I think he's asking Gundo to sort of flick it onto him at the back. He seems to be on his own, but he literally readjusted himself because he, it didn't come right for him. Uh, it was a great ball, a great ball from Mares, uh, a curl into it in the first place. But he sort of had to readjust himself. So, and as he readjusted himself, I mean, some people were cruel and said it just sort of hit his thigh, but he, he definitely controlled it with his thigh. He didn't. He knew what he was doing, and it was just superb. It was just, just so gentle. It wasn't. It wasn't even hit with power. Well, we know Gundo. He doesn't hit anything with power, does he? We, we say he passes the ball into the net, and he backflipped it. 
past it with his right foot, just just into the corner. And poor Pickford, who who obviously is is one of these. Uh, he's like the Phil Jones of goalkeepers. His facial expressions, his his poses that he does when he dies. <laughs> I mean, they're so funny. They're great to watch. And he had the poor bugger had no chance. And so, you know, he was he wasn't far out, but he didn't hit it with any real pace. It was just the sheer audacity of it. Uh, you know, no no goalkeeper on earth's getting to that. No defenders getting to it because. They didn't know what the hell was gonna what was gonna happen. It, it was absolutely superb, absolutely brilliant initiative, spur of the moment stuff from Gundo. Let, let's 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 hear Ray's description for that goal because it it was something special, wasn't it, Ray? Yeah. Okay, let's try and work it out. It had uh, elements of Burkamp in it. The way he he just defies uh, human biology. <laughs> and anatomy, the way he twisted and contorted. But Maris put the cross in from the uh, from the city right with his left foot. So it was, uh, you know, he stepped back onto his left foot outside the box. He crossed it in. Gundua, he had the man behind him. And he somehow managed to, you know, swivel those uh, uh, sexy hips of his. And uh, he, I thought he hit his hip. and he, But he, con- he definitely controlled that. You know, people, if you remember that incredible Bergkamp goal where uh, he, you know, people say, did he actually mean it? Um, you know, the way he pop, popped it around the defender, one of the best ever Premier League goals. People will say, well, Gundogan didn't mean this. He meant every little bit of it. You do need a bit of luck in the in these moments, but he certainly meant that. He controlled it with, like his hip or his thigh, and it's like, you know, he had his back to goal. You'd think he'd control it with the front of his body, but he turned it around so that. The defender went one way and Gundogan was controlling it as he turned the other way. It was incredible. And then he hooked it. And you saw it from behind the goal. Pickford, by the time Pickford was moving, it was right in the corner. He had no chance. I think it was a combination of things. One was the placement. That required a bit of luck. But two, it was the surprise. No one would have expected anybody to have the audacity, the, the cheek balls to go for a shot from where he was you just couldn't you know, couldn't expect that and uh, and it caught uh, Pickford um, cold um, balls in the net before he, he'd hardly moved it, it was an inc- it was an incredible goal it's, it's got to it's got to be up there with one of the you know I would normally say what goals of the season there's been quite a few decent ones but it's, it's going to be up there in, in, in the top few um, just for the sheer uh, complexity of, of what he, he did. It's not it's not one of these moments where you just absolutely leather the ball and you, it's all hit and hope. This was deft play. This was um, a great touch. It was you know technique. Uh, it, it was a beautiful thing to watch. Bernard, I think I might I might end up getting into a vicious fight with them um, with uh, Ray, but I I've got a controversial opinion. Okay, you you've seen the. Um, You've seen those um, those tweets um, on uh, on Twitter where someone says controversial opinion and then they say something ridiculous. Um, but I think Bernard that Mares should start against Madrid in the second leg because I thought he was sensational. I I have to say that. I mean, he wasn't um, as one dimensional as. Um, people accused him of but I tell you something else uh, when when he gets that ball and 
you 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 seen that one that that uh, didn't come off quietly, but his control. There's no one better in world football at controlling a ball than Maris. Yeah, I think you're talking. I mean, he, he did that little one at, right on the touchline, didn't he? I'm sorry, I've got it here somewhere. About uh, 17 minutes in, where he, I think, I think the commentator said the Everton, the Everton crowd gasped when he sort of just uh, took it. He sort of controlled it and flicked it around the defender on the on the on the six yard box. And unfortunately, his cross was bloody awful. Well, so uh, we didn't get anything from it. It ended ended in nothing, but. Yeah, I don't think he'll play against Madrid, but yeah, he he was at the centre of most things that went well for City yesterday. Uh, he had a quiet second half. But I think most of the City team did after we went three 0 up. It, we took our foot off the off the pedal, obviously. But yeah, he had a cracking game. He's not. Gonna, I don't think he's going to start against Madrid. I don't. I don't think for one I hope too well. I think Pep will stick to what he's tried and trusted is. And unfortunately, at this moment, Maris is just off the sheet, isn't he? He's probably number 12 or 13 down the starting 11 sheet for, for Pep. So it wouldn't bother me if he did. But uh, yeah, he played very, very well. He's one of our best players yesterday for long parts of that game. But uh, yeah, he, he sort of like, like uh, I'm not going to blame him for going out of it because some of the other guys did as well. But uh, it wasn't bang, bang, bang. But we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the third goal in a bit as well, which I thought uh, Maris should take full credit, even though he never touched it. But uh, we'll, <laughs> we'll talk about that. We'll talk about that later. But uh, yeah, I won't. I won't disagree with you, Mike. And I'm sure Ray obviously he appreciates quality, and at times we saw some quality from Maris yesterday. Absolutely, Absolutely. Ray. Um, we're going to talk about Gundogan and, and contract situations later, but. Do you think Mares deserves to get another contract at City? Well, no. R- really? Yeah. Do you want to discuss, expand? No, uh, I just want your opinion. Um, he's got one year left. And I think he needs to play at a very high level. He's got to play like Gundogan has for the last two seasons to get an extra an extra year out of us. Um, but he'll be 33, I think, by then, at least, maybe even 34. The, the thing is, um, Ray, he's not got, um, he's got that body different. shape, you know, he's very skinny and wiry. I think, despite his age, I think he can still go on for a little bit. Well, I'm not worried about his, his, his age, as uh, it's not all down to his age, but I'm thinking he's going to be 33, 34 years old, okay? Uh, and I want, I want some pace. Because we're going to have to reinvent ourselves, re-evolve. We have to evolve to go forwards. And you can see things are changing. Where else are we going to change? You know, if you look at the ages of the players, some of those players are going to be there for for, for years. You know, we, we talked about Foden, Alvarez, Haaland. Grealish is in his, uh, what, what, 27? Um, so some of the attacking players, they're not going to change. Um and they're going to be here for years, hopefully. It's the other players that we're going to have to, um, you know, bring in new players and young. I think younger players and faster players. Uh, and Maris is one of the old guard. When you look at the old guard, you know, if I, I'll give you four names, because there are four. You're 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 going you're going to swap out um, you're going to swap out Maris for Kavarts Kelly, aren't you? Yeah, I, I would do that in a heartbeat. But what I'm saying is. Of your older players, you've got KDB, 
You got Bernardo, all right. He's not too old, but it's obviously talk of him potentially leaving. You got Gunduan and you got Mares. And if you look at the, the the three oldest, who would you rather let go? If you had to let one of them go, it's going to be Mares. I would keep Gunduan and KDB over Mares. And you know, I think playing out wide, we I do want. I think we do need that 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 change of pace. Somebody with uh, explosive pace. Great skill, great technique, great dribbling, and an eye for a goal. And that's uh, our fella from uh, Napoli. Uh, I think that would he would take us to the next level. I really do, because it just adds an extra dimension to our play. Mar, as you know, he hasn't. He's not going to um, pop it past you and, and leg it and get the ball. Uh, he's just not that kind of player. Whereas I think something, someone a bit more direct, uh, it offers us, us the option to do something different. So. Maras is not doing rubbish, and I wouldn't just get turf him out. But he's got one year left. But Ray, you 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 said that um, Pep will coach that um, direct play out of Kavart's Kelia. You 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 actually said that that was a, a very that was a very very famous line, and I I I think I agreed with you uh, that Pep 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 will coach that out of him. There is a risk, but but there's also I, I think. You've got to get that balance, and, and the balance is Pep wants. It's, it's a really a difficult balance. He wants you to take people on and be brilliant, but don't lose the ball, don't take a risk. Well, you know, to do that, uh, you've got to take a risk. You've got to open yourself up um, to making a mistake. Um, so that's that's the concern. He'll take some of it out of him. I've no doubt about that, but I think he'll leave enough in him. You know, he'll still hopefully give him enough um, uh, freedom to, to express himself. But it's, it's going to be interesting. But I'll just finish off by saying, look, I'm not asking us to get rid of Mares if he has a great season next season. I'm not, I am not adverse to uh, offering another 12-month extension if he's playing at a really high level, knowing that he's going to be uh, playing a fair few games as a substitute. Okay, uh, well, Bernard. Before we get on to the next goal, let's talk about Gundogan. Um, obviously, he's a, a very happy man. He's married to a lovely girl. He's got um, a baby on the way, and uh, there's been all this talk about him going to Barcelona. Um, but Bernard, oh, we should be doing everything we can to give this guy another year or two. Do you not think? Yeah, I think we're fairly sure, and I think we've talked about it before, that he's been offered a year. We're fairly sure that's that's on the table. It's odd to me that Pep's tenure um, and his and Gundo's tenure should perhaps end together. So I'm a bit confused as to... There's something else going on, I think, because I'm a bit confused as to why he's not been offered two years, because what's the worst that can happen? It's all right, you, you might... Uh, beyond the downward slope, if you like, but based on yesterday, he, he was the guy between us, difference between us, uh, drawing drawing that game and winning it basically yesterday with with what he did. Um, so you would think they've offered him two years, um, but uh, we're thinking they've only offered him one. So there's got to be a reason for that, and obviously Pep's Pep's tenure ends at the same time in theory at the moment. Uh, Ray probably's got an opinion on it. I, I just I don't know. I, I just Puzzled. I'm a bit puzzled by it. Ray Ragel probably. Yeah, me, me, me too. Uh, 
Me too, Ray. I, I, I'm the the guys um, in charge of recruitment are they're not stupid, um, and they probably realise that yeah, if you give uh, Gundo a two year contract, yeah, he might decline. But um, I, I don't understand why they're risking this, um, Ray. Can you figure that out? I never can. I remember. Uh, I'll tell you a story when when Sterling was asking for more money. And people said, "Oh no, no, he, there's no way he's he wasn't worth three hundred thousand pounds. We absolutely no chance." You know, I think he ended up with maybe two fifty or two sixty. Uh, he'd been on about one seventy one eighty before that. And people said, "You know, it's too much money." But I, I counter that and say, "Look, if you want to go and bring somebody else is equal or better than Sterling, you're gonna have to pay a lot of money to get him. You're gonna be paying sixty, seventy million quid, and you're gonna have to pay him a humongous amount too, which." It's, and I said it's just cheaper to keep Sterling for an extra, you know, on a new contract, pay him an extra twenty or thirty thousand a week. Uh, if your finances can can handle it, that to me was a be- better thing to do. Uh, and and it's the same it's the same here with with Gundogan. You know, um, to replace him, he's irreplaceable. What he's doing right now, he's top of his game. And each season, people say, oh, he's not fast enough, and he's coming to the end. And he still keeps pulling out the, uh, the, uh, the, all the stops. So I've got. It's, it, it does come down to finances as well. We can, you know, we can just talk about well, I'd like him to stay, and I'd like to do this, I'd like to buy Mbappe, and 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 this, that, and the other. The truth is, finances do come into it, and we might not be able to afford. Right, I'm ju- I'm just trying to get inside um, Cheeky's head about this one. It's well, no, no. I I think we want him. Pep said we want him. I think we want him, but it's up to Gundogan. Maybe Gundogan thinks it's time. Maybe Gundogan thinks. It's time to move on. I think his, his, his wife called out a journalist recently for making something up. And football, you know, it has happened a few times recently where people have called uh, reporters out and journalists for just making stuff up and, and, and to being a bit uh, destabilizing. But going back to your question, I think two years, two years might be too much. Maybe Gundogan wants that. Security. He wants it. See, he might say, "I want a three-year contract. I want a great three-year contract. It's the last contract I'm going to do. Then I'm going to retire." So maybe he's thinking, you know, especially if he wins the Champions League with City, what else is he left to win? There's nothing. He's, you know, Super uh, the, uh, the Club World Cup is. No one's bothered about that in Super Cup. No one's really bothered about the UEFA Super Cup uh, unless we win it, of course, and it's a big trophy. <laughs> but. Um, I, I think Gundogan is you know, maybe that's what he's waiting for as well. If we win the if we win the treble, for instance, maybe he'll think that's a good time to call it a day at City. Go off. Let's talk about Barcelona. We've got to remember Barcelona want to buy Messi. He's apparently talked to Xavi about it. Xavi wants you know the problem with Messi is he doesn't want to run around. Xavi wants a, a fast tempo, high press game. Um, but if if Barcelona get Messi back, even on a on a cheap deal, that's going to screw their finances. And this talk of them having to sell three players just to be able to accommodate Messi for their financial fair play, they talk about selling Ferran Torres. <laughs> Remember him, uh, fifty million euros, whatever. They talk about them selling Rodrigo. Was it Rodrigo or uh, no Rafinha? Sorry, the fellow that was at Leeds and another player. That's a lot of money to free up the wages so that Messi can join. Well, who's paying for Gundogan then? Even if he comes on a free, 
And look, hey, he might go to Bayern Munich. Remember, Bayern Munich are good at doing that, getting players on a free. But what's the point? You know, but it, and it also will depend on what he's been offered by City in terms of you never get any assurances about your playing time. But maybe he thought a few months ago that we were getting Jude Bellingham. And he thought, well, someone's going to start missing out from midfield. You know, if Bernardo was staying, you'd have Bernardo, KDB, Jude Bellingham, and Gundogan for two two spots. So maybe he was worried that his time would be diminished. Now Jude Bellingham, Jude Bellingham might not be arriving. Maybe that he reassesses. But I want I'd want him to stay. This out of the the main first team squad, the only person that I don't care if he leaves is Emeric Laporte. Don't care at all. Everybody else, I want them to stay. And, and that know, that was that that was going to be my next question well, because, guys, we we do have we we do have another goal to talk about, which yeah. happened two minutes later, and we're going to talk about it. But I just did want to ask this one question to Bernard because I'm really interested in his opinion about this one thing. And um, Bernard, um, get rid of Laporte or keep Laporte. Well, I think I think it would we may not have the option, mate. I mean, we might obviously Laporte has probably decided he, he might uh, try elsewhere. It's as simple as that. Pep's he's not in his first thirteen, fourteen, fifteen guys that he puts down at the moment. Uh, I thought he did a reasonable job against Everton yesterday, as you'd expect him to. He's a good player, but uh, yeah, I think. Uh, I think he probably, with his agent, what uh, wants out at the moment because he, he feels he should be one of the first names on the team. Seeing up to you know, we, if we'd say, if we'd go back twelve months, we wouldn't even be talking like this, would we? It was uh, Laporte and Diaz was the was the go to pairing. Of course, we always love I love Stones as well, but it was never fit, so it was always Laporte and Diaz. So uh, he sort of. Not, not that Pep's pushing him out, but just circumstances have meant that he's uh, he's ended up struggling like this. Of course, with him not being able available at some stage, he's not been able to get back into a successful team. It's as simple as that, and he's just a bit perhaps playing as, for him as a professional. Um, I, he probably wants a little bit more, so I think that's that's how it's panning out. Well, when you look at um, so when you when you look at it, you know, Aki the. Improvement he's made, he doesn't put a foot wrong. So he's uh, miles ahead of Laporte. And obviously we've got a Kanji in, and he's done a bloody good job as well. So what does that leave for American Laporte? And you, you can see that he wants to play because you know he he, he obviously wanted to play for uh, internationally for France because he's French. He played in Spain for so many years. He couldn't get a look in the French team. And... Um, in the end, he decided to play for Spain. So he just, you know, he wants to play. So I think that's the issue he's got. He wants to play football. And he knows he's nice looking at it. Potentially, he's, he must be, what, sixth choice defender, you know? Um, and at the centre-backs, he's fifth choice centre-back. Where does that get you? If we And if we're serious about getting Guardiol, where does that leave Laporte? So I can see Laporte, this is, this is be his... Um, his final season at City. Okay, lads. Well, let's talk about the next goal. Um, let's talk about uh, Philip Foden. Um, he's been out of it, as Ray has mentioned um, a few times before. He played um, a significant part in this goal. This time, Gundo turned uh, provider 
and that was uh, one hell of a powerful uh, header, Bernard. Um, the goalkeeper did get a hand to it, couldn't keep it out, and it 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 it, it was beautiful to watch, wasn't it? Well, yeah, and we get another uh, Phil Jones type animation of uh, Mr. Pickford, don't we? Which, uh, <laughs> you know, and Harland did everything right. I mean, obviously, the basics of football, as a certain player told us many years ago, is that you get that ball across, you head it back from where it's come. So you head it back uh, from where the ball came. And obviously, the keeper's having to commit himself coming left. Uh, and he's not going to get, he did well to get a hand to it, in all fairness. Uh, <laughs> he did well to get at least a hand to it because Haaland, superb cross from Gundo, of course. Folder was involved in the build up with uh, obviously taking Patterson on the left hand side. Uh, a great cross from Gundo. And Haaland did what we expect him to do in that sort of position uh, and a good header. Although, you know, a good effort by Pickford, but uh, what, two goals in two minutes? It had to be game over, didn't it, surely? Ray, the funny thing is, I, 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 because of the geek I am, I watched all of uh, Haaland's goals um, when he played in Austria and Germany, and he was never that good with the head. But he seems to have, um, he he seems to have developed that part of his game when he can do that. Now I, I watched them all. All the, all the goals he scored for Salzburg, all the goals he scored for Dortmund. He's obviously very good with his feet, very muscular, but he didn't seem to be the greatest. I mean, he wasn't like, what What can you say? I mean, he wasn't um, the, the best he's with not, his well, head. not exactly Wynn Davis, is he? If we go back to the, the old uh, Wynn Davis. No, band, uh, no I, I'm, I'm thinking more of... Um, Frank Stapleton. I, Frank Stapleton, right? Yeah. Uh, or Tony Adams, someone like that. I mean, you. The you... thing is, I think he, well, he's got the height, so he he should be better in the air. You know, he's got a chance of winning the balls. I think it's it's an aspect of his game that he's improving. Um, obviously, as I said, yeah, we've seen him miss height. some. We've seen him miss some, haven't we? With his yeah. like he had with his feet, we've seen him miss plenty. Uh, at least a. I can remember half a dozen headers where he perhaps should have got him on target and he's headed wide. I think he'll just keep getting better. Um, the more, basically, the more experience he gets, the more he practices, um, and the more confident he gets. He's got, as I said, he's got the height, he's got that six foot five, so he doesn't actually have to do much to out jump players. One thing I have noticed about Haaland, though, when he's, when he's in the box, he suddenly you know, gains an extra two or three inches. Um when he's you know <laughs> when he's when he, you know what but be, he he wants to get that header even more. He because he knows he can score. But when he's in the middle of the park, he gets jumped by people that he shouldn't get beaten by. And I just thought I just think it's his desire to score. Well you didn't score him from the halfway line with a header that you you know he's just flicking on. Um <laughs> When he's in the box, he knows that's a, ch a chance to uh, to score. So I think he just goes for it. Uh, Bernard, Bernard, who am I thinking of? It's the it's the late eighties, uh, early nineties. The Republic of Ireland uh, player that we had that scored amazing headers. Who am I thinking of? Frank Stapleton. Yeah, Niall Quinn. Niall Quinn. That's yeah. the one. Yeah, he was very, he was very good, but he's better with his feet. Uh, a lot of these big lads, you know, they, they do say 
Yeah, people are surprised that big guys, you know, your Peter Crouches of this world, uh, that sort of big guy, that they wouldn't be, they wouldn't play football unless they could do something with the feet. So people are surprised when someone like Niall Quinn is quite useful with his feet, and he, he was, he was very useful with his feet. And his headers weren't great. He, he, he wasn't a powerful header of a ball. He, if there was, if there was, if there was pace on a ball, he could direct the ball and score good goals. But he, he wasn't one of these that could sort of rise and bring his head back. At, you know, he wasn't, he wasn't a powerful header of the ball. And it's a, it's a mis, misnomer, do they call it? I don't know what it is. But yeah. you know, a lot of these big guys, uh, a lot of them are better with the feet than with the reds, in my opinion. And probably the same with Ireland. He's far better with his feet than with his head. Uh, same with Niall Quinn for me. If you go back to Niall Quinn, he was far better with his feet than his head. It doesn't just because he's big doesn't mean they're going to be great at heading the ball. You need a bit. Some of them need a bit of pace on the ball as well. How to, tall was Niall Quinn? Yeah. Just, Sorry, go on, right. how, how tall was Niall Quinn? He was well, he six, must have been about six five, feet, uh, six feet two, maybe. No, a bit more, more than I think. A bit more. Bit six, at least more, six I think yeah. right, right. Who who was the best city player at heading the ball into the net? I mean, are, are we do we have to go back to like Tommy Hutchinson or someone like that? I'm just going to mention this. Uh, now Quinn was six foot four, just under check. Um, but uh, obviously, if he wasn't six but, foot four, I wouldn't have mentioned. Same it. same question, same question, guys. Who was the best player at nodding the ball in? Andy Hinchcliffe. <laughs> really, really, well, really, it, really. It was specific header, I think. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, what what do you say, Bernard? Well, I, I mentioned him before, mate. Uh, he wasn't there long, uh, but he was a legend at Newcastle for his quality at heading the ball. Uh, it was a certain Win Davis. It was, it was a fantastic, fantastic. He was tall, and he was a cracking header of the ball. He was better with his head than he, he was with his feet. Hmm. Okay. Well, lads, um, that was uh, the next goal. And um, how do you feel that um, Everton responded to that? Because I was kind of impressed by them a little bit. Um, Ray, what did you think about how um, Everton responded to that situation? Obviously, they had to, uh, to down. They had to go and change their game plan. They can't carry on doing what they were doing because... That was um, obviously <laughs> they were losing, um, and whatever. Uh, even at one nil down, you carry on doing the same sort of thing, hoping to get lucky. I mean, that's basically you know what I think Daesh was uh, trying to do. He's trying to keep a clean sheet, and if you get lucky uh, and and you and you can win it, you can nick a goal. That's all he's looking for. But he did, you know, he'd have beaten your arm off um, if you'd offered him a, a draw before the game. And that's all he wanted. This was. It's not. And there's no such thing as a free hit because you've only got th- three games to go. But it's one of those games that you didn't expect to win anything. So if you got something, it's a huge bonus. Um, but at 2-0 down, you've got to change things around. You've got to um, express yourself a little bit more. You Because uh, you know to get anything out of that game, now suddenly you need two goals. Uh, and two goals against City, it's not the easiest thing to do. I mean, but heck, let's be honest. Uh, you know... If you if they were playing Arsenal, if they were playing Arsenal, then maybe. <laughs> if they were playing Arsenal, then maybe they could have come back from 2-0 down because Arsenal are bottle jobs. Um, um but I, I, you know, they had to be a little bit more um what's the right word? 
expansive is probably the wrong word, but they had to be a, li a little bit more, um, ha have a little bit more going forwards. But the other thing that's important, and I think this is this is quite crucial, Everton are only out of the bottom, uh, are one point away from being uh, in the bottom three. They're one point ahead of Leeds, but their goal difference is only one better than Leeds. So they're looking over their shoulder as well. So, you know, what it is when you're losing 2-0, you don't want to just go gung-ho and end up losing 5-0 because that that goal difference could be what sends them down. Um, I think West Ham are safe. So basically, you've got Nottingham Forest, Everton, Leeds and Leicester fighting to, you know, those four clubs, uh, two of them are going to go yeah, down. I mean, they could be back in the bottom three tonight if Leicester get a result against Liverpool, of course. As we're yeah, recording this, as we're recording this program, absolutely. And Leicester do have actually a pretty good goal difference. Mm. They're on minus fifteen, so uh, they've been poor, but not as poor as some of the others. Uh, Leeds are on minus twenty-five, Everton on minus twenty-four, um, and two points separate the three, three clubs. So it is very, very tight um, at, at the bottom. And, and you're right, Bernard. You know, uh, Leicester have got three games to go. Everton and Leeds have got two. So. Everton still had to be careful. You can't just go gung-ho and then, as I said, end up losing by five and that, that's what gets you relegated. So, well, well I think Dice did that, didn't you? I think because they got in at half-time. There wasn't, there wasn't much to worry about from them or us after the second goal went in. And obviously, he made a quick change, didn't he? Bring in, was it Calvert-Lewin he brought off at mm. uh, half-time? Uh, and I think, as I say, he was, he was wary of the goal difference. He sort of didn't give up on the game, but he was, you know... Not clever, but obviously sensible management decision, and I think Dyche made those in the in the second half as the game progressed. Bernard, there was one player that I was kind of impressed with. Um, I don't know if you felt the same, uh, and uh, I'll ask this question to Ray as well. That uh, young fella, Dwight McNeil, he um, he impressed me. I don't know uh, what did you think, uh, Bernard? And um, first of all, Bernard, uh, and then Ray. Well, can I pass it on to Ray, mate? Because I don't, I don't really remember. I'll be honest with you, I don't. I remember his name being no. mentioned, but he didn't make me. He didn't make me sort of stand up and take notice. But yeah, I thought, I thought, I thought Ray, he was, he was quite impressive. To be honest, you got, you got to remember, guys. Okay, I'll, maybe you should have said it at the start of the pod. Uh, but I was working at <laughs> the time the match was on, so I've only seen the highlights. Dwight Manil has had a. Uh, he, he's, I think he's over the last couple of years got better. Obviously. He's, he's. I'm trying to remember his background. Didn't he come from um, uh, Burnley? Didn't he leave when Burnley went down? Um, yeah, I think so. So, um, yeah, he was, he's at Burnley, left after Burnley were, were relegated. The one thing he's done, actually, that's uh, it's interesting in the Premier League, anyway, he scored as many goals for Everton, seven in the Premier League, in 34 games, as he scored for... Um, Burnley in 134 games. So he's at least on an upward curve. He didn't score a single goal last season uh, in, in the league. So he's not done too bad in a, in a shockingly poor Everton side. Um, but he doesn't he doesn't excite me, Mike. You know, he's no Sammy mm -hmm. and let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. Well, Bernard, we, we did have a third. And um, I think that Everyone was thinking that Mahrez was going to uh, take this, but um, obviously uh, Gundo told him to step off. And um, 
that was a that was a beautiful goal because there was such a small backlift, and um, no one thought that was going to happen. That was a beautiful, beautiful free kick. Yeah, obviously, we'd, we, uh, Phil Foden had won the free kick, hadn't he? Uh, it looks as though he, he might have picked up an injury then, but fortunately, he looked okay. Seemed to catch his foot and then his knee in the, in the ground took a bit of a took a bit of a jar, didn't he? When he, he got fouled there, obviously, it was two or three minutes later after the train the the trainers have been on with the magic sponge, etc. But yeah, I, I thought it was brilliant because I I think most of us, well, I certainly did. I think you've hinted that you did, Mike. Um, I thought Mares was going to take it. It was it was the right side for a left foot to to swing it round the wall. Pickford was obviously put his wall to his right hand side. Uh, I think Keane was a bit uh, critical, I believe, of uh, Mister Pickford's positioning and how slow he was to get across. But I think, like the rest of us. Uh, he was, was fooled because Mara shaped as though he was going to take and he actually moved to what usually when they, when they have two standing on it, you have an idea, you have an idea who's taking it. But I was totally fooled. Uh, Mara's looked as though he was going to, he sort of moved to take, he moved to take a run up and then he came back again. And in, in the, when he did that, obviously Pickford's probably watching him. And of course, uh, Gundo, as you said, he didn't take much of a run up, uh, and he caressed it. I think they used the word that caressed in the, the Guardian. So I'll use that because I quite like that. He caressed it over the wall with his side of his foot. Uh, and Pickford was not again. Uh, well, uh, there's a great image on, on social media of his dive uh, for this, uh, you know, another Phil Jones goalkeeper moment. And it was super, you know, I think some people have been using it as gifts and stuff because uh, it is a classic. Um, he was just absolutely nowhere near it, even though, as, as you say, uh, Gundo didn't, didn't, didn't belt it. He just, uh, as I said, the guard, he said, caressed it. And I think that I'm not going to improve on that. I will call, I will say, I would agree with that. He caressed it over the wall and all credit yeah. to Mares because I was totally fooled myself. And, uh, I don't think Pitford really, I think Mr. Keane's been a bit unfair on Pickford. I just thought it was a brilliantly taken free kick. Yeah, right. I mean, uh, poor, poor, uh, Jordan Pickford. He was made to look like a fool. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I think he was, like Bernard said, he was, he's probably standing too far on the one side. Uh, and we've said it already a few times. Everybody expected Maris to take it. He shaped like he was going to take it and try and bend it into the far, uh, over the wall and into the corner that Pickford was standing at. I, I thought he was, it, he, he was a little bit too far over. I'm not a goalkeeper, but I thought he was a little bit too far over because um, you know, he couldn't see that ball. He sits here, two players in the, in, on the edge of the wall, so he couldn't. He didn't get a clear uh, sight of it. First thing, probably he knew about the shot was when it was over the wall and it was going past him. So he he, he just he didn't have a chance. And and the 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 thing is that the free kick wasn't into the corner. It was you know it, it, if he'd been further across his goal, he he'd have had a better chance of saving it. But then maybe you know he's there relying on his wall to. To prevent the ball going in, and obviously Gundogan's got it up and down. It's a nice little goal from Ilka Gundogan. Well, guys, let me um, uh, as we're drawing to a close, um, let me mention two player performances that I might get some uh, pushback from the guys, but I thought uh, Ederson was uh, amazing in this game, and I thought Kyle Walker was very surprisingly effective. Let's start off with uh, Ray on those well, two players. I'll, 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 let, I'll, let, I'll let Bernard push you back first. Okay. <laughs> okay. 
I'd agree on Walker. I thought Walker had an exceptional game. There's a couple of occasions, uh, one in the first half, where the the guy, I can't remember the Everton player now, where he seemed to, he looks as though he was offside to me. And never, never, Lionel didn't put his flag up, but he, he zoomed back. He did his road run a bit to get back and, and stop it. I thought Walker played very, very well. As I said, he's not been not been a regular. Uh, I expect him fully to play against uh, Madrid next week, uh, Walker. Of course, uh, but yeah, he's, he's since he's come back into favour, uh, he's he's done all right. Edison was Edison, yeah. I mean, there was a there was, there was Bernard, a he made two magnificent no, he saves. He won it the bar and was classed as a corner, but I don't think he got a glove on it. I don't think he actually did anything. I think he just hit no, the bar. He that onto the bar, Bernard. I watched it back once, and I'm sure Taylor just gave him credit for a save that he didn't make. I might be totally wrong, but I'm not going to sit there all day watching a replay of Edison, uh, a ball hitting a bat, smacking a bar. But <laughs> if you remember the first half, it was only like seven minutes into the game. He had his back Yeah, yeah, and you're right. A really poor pass out, and it ended up at a, an Everton player, fortunately. Yeah. Make the most of it, so... You know, we expect Edison to be calm under those circumstances and have a clear, the well in the ball, clear right over to the touchline and give him a throw in. But he literally passed it to an Everton player. So I thought Edison was okay. Don't get me wrong. A couple of the corners, there was one where he, he went to punch it, ended up going over his own bar, even though he's trying to punch it the other way. But again, I blame the City players as well because it's just like Edison versus Everton because some of the other, the Rodgers of this world, the Diaz's of this world, we're getting, we're getting, physically pushed out of it by the Everton guys and it, I read my report for last season and exactly the same happened last season from corners Ever, Everton bullied us uh, and again they did it to a lesser extent yesterday but it was poor old Edison on his own trying to cope so I'm not going to have a downer against him but I don't, I don't think he played particularly well but he didn't play particularly badly either it was it was okay it was okay Alright I'm not going to get much change out of Ray for <laughs> Ederson but um, uh, but uh, Ray, would you would you play Walker against Real Madrid to counteract uh, Vinicius uh, Junior? Yeah, probably would actually. Yeah, I don't see why not. Um, obviously, there's lots of good, there's gonna be lots of little battles uh, all over the pitch. You've got we want to be on the front foot. We want the obviously the crowd to make a lot of noise, create that wonderful Etihad atmosphere that we see on uh, these wonderful European nights. Um, and uh, I think Walker's pace is going to be needed. You can't play without Walker's pace. Um, you know, Vinicius Junior is such a, a dangerous cookie, and a tough customer, and he's obviously got um, pace to burn. I, I just think we need Walker there uh, to be able to um, stay with him uh, and hopefully curtail his uh, attacking exploits. All right, lads, we're 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 right at the end of the pod. And uh, what we're going to do just to finish off with is just to have some final thoughts. So we'll go to uh, Bernard first and ask him for some final thoughts uh, for his thoughts about the next uh, couple of games and how he thinks it's going to go. And then we'll go over to Ray and then we'll finish up. Yeah, well, we've got to talk Real Madrid, haven't we? Which is that he rested out, he rested most of his key players against Getafe, which they managed to to win the game 1-0 with a, a deflected goal. Uh, Atletico Madrid are shooting themselves in the foot by getting beat by the bottom of the table. So it looks as though they'll get runners-up spot as long as they, they carry on, even if he 
as I say, he, he, he'd risked everything on, on this game. And that's what Ancelotti's done. Is they've had the whinging. They've had the whinging about the ball being out of play before the goal. So we've got the parachuted in a top quality referee from Poland for this one who's done World Cup finals, uh, UEFA semi-finals, because Mr Ancelotti wasn't happy with the standard of the referee in, in that first leg. So UEFA have reacted to their little, uh, their, their boys, you know, Real Madrid, obviously the, the, the guys who stick up for UEFA and UEFA's boys. So this, this, but well, apparently he's quite, he, he's supposed to be okay. This, this guy from, from Poland, I'm not, don't ask me to pronounce his name, guys, please. I, I can't, I'll, I'll struggle with that. But, uh, so they've got that. They've got a de- half de- supposedly half decent referee, but hopefully he'll be half decent for us as well. And that's, that's, I want this to be one on football. I don't want it to be one on, on bad decisions, bad, bad VAR decisions. It's a big, big game. We know how physical Madrid were over at their place. I call them Dirty Madrid now. That's my little name for them, which people are having a bit of a chuckle about. And uh, uh, Rudiger might be displaced, though, in this one, although I think I think they might try and sneak him on the pitch. Uh, Mateo's back. Is it Mateo? Is that how you pronounce it? Mateo? Mateo? He was suspended, of course, for the first Mateo. game. Their yeah. centre-back. Uh, so he's back, who, who would normally, you think, would, would replace Rudiger. But uh, I think uh, Ancelotti will probably play on both and um, be very physical at the back and obviously rely on the skill that they have got uh, up front with the Vinicius Juniors and Rodrigo's, etc. So it's going to be a tough game. I- I'm predicting a 3-1 City win against Real Madrid uh, this week. Um, we will play the same team for me that we played against them in the first leg. I can't see any change to that. Aki's, Aki's not ready, so he's, he's not going to feature. I don't think Foden... Perhaps uh, did enough to warrant coming back into the team. Mares, Mike, I'm sorry, I don't think he's done enough to come back into the team. So based on the fact that everyone's fit, he'll play the same eleven. I think he played in the first leg, and I think we were better, the better team at the Bernabeu, despite the whinging from Ancelotti and all the Madrid about how they were cheated by the referee. Uh, and let's hope. Uh, I'm fa- I'm fairly sure. I'm confident we'll be up for it, and, and we'll have a Champions League final to look forward to. Was Ray, please, thing, Ray, please, please tell me, please tell, please tell me two things are not going to happen. Number one, please tell me that Pep is not going to do something stupid. No, no. And the other thing is, uh, the other thing that I'm worried about is that bloody raised eyebrow of Ancelotti, who's such an expert in this situation. Tell me your thoughts. Yeah. Um, I don't think Pep's going to do anything stupid because uh, he's done plenty of stupid things in Champions League um, in the past. But I just think we uh, we know the best team. Now, it might be that he changes one player. I have no problem with changing one player. If that me- if that's dropping Rodri, Haaland or KDB, then he needs a kick in the backside. It, he could go down the route of playing John Stones at right back instead of Walker. I, I can't see that because what we I think we want Walker's pace. And, um, and he might, but he might change one player. He might bring Foden in, uh, or, or might, he could bring Maris in. I wouldn't, I wouldn't. But he might think, you know, changing one player. Uh, he, obviously, he sees things that we cannot see. Um, he might think bringing one player in might be what what makes the difference. He might see some vulnerability in Madrid. Um, but we Madrid can't win this game. Same with Arsenal, can't win the league. It's only City can lose it. You know, if we, uh, if we're on the top of our game, we win. 
Simple as that. We're a better side than they are. Miles, you see what where they are in La Liga. We are miles better. But they've got the pedigree. They've got the history. They've got this, this aura. Um, they've got this belief. And we haven't. We saw that, I think, in the first leg. I saw what I think were nervous, uh, some nervous players, mistakes. And that's all because of what they did to us last year. What they did to us last year. But we, 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 we've beaten Madrid before. We beat them a, a, a few seasons back. Um, and you'd, you know, if that was our last experience of them, I think we'd have beaten them uh, last week. I think we'd have beaten them comfortably by a couple of goals. But I'll, I, we had last year's experience where we, we we lost it. And I think that will play on players' minds. And it, I think this game is potentially won or lost in the mind. If we come out there... Uh, meaning business, positive, not worried about what happened last year. I think we win. Sorry, we lads. Just, uh, just uh, one, one final question. Uh, um, I, I beg your patience uh, for this one, uh, uh, Bernard. The remaining league games and the FA Cup final. Just give me your opinion. Well, yeah. I mean, it's a nice position to be in, isn't it? As I say, we still need two points in theory. Uh, be wonderful and certainly not beyond the realms that Forest won't get at least a point out of uh, Arsenal, which means with our superior goal difference, it, it's uh, it's over anyway. Uh, simple as that. Even if they get a draw at, uh, at uh, Forest, but if they if they if they if they buck up Arsenal, if they if they do actually make a make a, a fist of it, and we have to go into Chelsea's game. Uh, still needing the two points. Uh, good God, I mean, unless suddenly Chelsea turn into something special, we've got to turn that. We've got to have the confidence. And I'm sure, obviously, the Real Madrid game, might, there might be fallout from that. But uh, whatever happens, uh, I'm sure we've got the confidence to do the business against Chelsea, whatever happens with Forest and Arsenal, uh, which means we can sort of take a nice, easy... Uh, Brentford and Brighton games, we can, we can sort of, well, even afford to lose them. I mean, we don't like losing games, of course we don't, but uh, we can rest players, uh, give Phillips a start, <laughs> give Phillips a start as a DM. Oh, uh, that'd be bro. nice for him in the league. And uh, to go into an FA Cup final and hopefully, fingers crossed, because, uh, you know, a Champions League final with, with most of the team happily rested and uh, minutes in games for other guys. Uh, it's a great position to be in. We didn't want to go to Brentford on the last day having to win with the, the mind games, the psychological element. And we've now got the chance to to kill it, to kill it three games from the end. So uh, hopefully hopefully we won't need to. Hopefully it'll all be over by, by the time kickoff comes on Sunday because Arsenal have blown up again. But if not, we'll do the business and, uh, and that'll, that'll give us that little time then to R&R before we, we have two massive games, hopefully, once we get if we get through Madrid and if we get get the points against Chelsea if need be. Sorry, uh, sorry, just two two more minutes from uh, from Ray. Ray, remaining um, remaining league games and the FA Cup final. Um, we've got Chelsea. I, I, I said it a few weeks ago on this very pod. Uh, I, I do believe, certainly on my channel, that I thought Arsenal would drop points again this season in the last six games. Because they're not the, they're not the same caliber as Manchester City. They can't go winning. It's very difficult for Arsenal uh, to win six games on the bounce. Um, now, I don't. I, I think prior to this season, I'd be really surprised if Arsenal won six league games on the bounce in the, in, in, in 
the the recent past. So on on that basis, I just didn't see them doing it again. They they have bottled it. You know, the, the draw with West Ham, the draw with Liverpool, the draw with Southampton, losing to City and losing to Brighton. I mean, come on, that's all in the space of is it seven games? They've won, if I'm right, two out of seven. So they deserve to be where they are, which is nowhere. Um, you know, and if, if you watch any of my recent videos, I said the Premier League is won over 38 games. It's not won at Christmas, not won after 29 or 30 games. You know, it's after you played all the games. Don't get carried away, which is what uh, Arsenal fans uh, have obviously done. So I thought they did lose some points somewhere. I actually thought it might be Brighton that uh, would do, uh, sorry, Newcastle that would do them. Um, but, but we just need that, that Chelsea game. I'm not even looking at the Brighton Brentford games because I'm expecting us to do it against Chelsea. And I'm not bothered about the last two games. Yes, I'd like to win them, but. You know, I think I don't mind what happens with Brighton because part of me wants them to get close to the other clubs and put pressure on them. I don't want to lose to Brentford because they did us. They did us in Manchester, so I don't want to lose to, to them. And then if, if we beat uh, Madrid in, in the Champions League, then we've got the FA Cup final and the Champions League final. So and the great thing is, as Bernard said, we've got a lot of time to rest players. After the Chelsea game, after Madrid and Chelsea... You know, we can rest the full first team against Brighton. Uh, Pep won't do that, but we can do that. And then this the game against Brentford, we could rest a few players or mix and match it, you know, give players half half a game just to keep their fitness going. Uh, but to be honest, I, I don't, I'm not worried. You should, you shouldn't look at games and think our players are going to get injured. You shouldn't be looking at it like that. Just to, you know, we don't need to play them, so rest a few of them. Uh, and then see see how he goes. Oh, nearly done, and uh, nearly done, guys. Just going to ask Bernard one final question. Um, uh, I'll, I'll invite Ray uh, Ray into this as well. Um, um, any thoughts on who's going to finish uh, third and fourth? Um, in in the league, I, I don't know what the score is right now uh, with Liverpool, but um, have you any thoughts about that, Bernard? Um, well, United have got United have got to finish second or third. I think I uh, Newcastle have got a couple of easy games. I think coming up, haven't they? Got one of the relegated, threatened teams coming up soon. Not so. Brighton, haven't they? No, uh, sorry. I think they've got. Is it Leeds? They've got. They've got one of the bottom no, three anyway. Newcastle. Newcastle. Got, no, they just played Leeds and they drew with them. They got Brighton at home. They got Leicester at home and Chelsea. yeah, Leicester. Yeah, Leicester. They got Leicester. Yeah, I, I knew they had one of the bottom three because uh, obviously Leicester are struggling well, out. The, the I think Newcastle United should 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 be in it, shouldn't they? I, I can't see Liverpool. I don't know if Ray thinks Liverpool can sneak it. The thing is, I said it a while ago that Liverpool are the only team that can sneak in from how far behind. You're doing tonight. I mean, obviously, as we're recording this, playing Leicester, aren't they? They're playing Leicester at Leicester. Yeah, uh, it, they win tonight, then it puts them up thing, there again, doesn't it? If win tonight, yeah. they, they go on to 65 points. Now, Newcastle United and Man United still have a game in hand. So that's the key. Liverpool are four points behind. But you look at the last five games, Liverpool have won. In fact, I know the Liverpool won the last six, all by a single goal. Man United have only got seven points in that time. Newcastle have got 10. So you can see you know, Newcastle have lost and drawn their last two games. Now, Newcastle can accept the loss to um, Arsenal, but not the draw with Leeds. They should have beat Leeds. Um, 
Liverpool are going to knock on the door because you look at their running. Um, Leicester away, Villa at home, Southampton away. Well, you know, Leicester and uh, Southampton could be relegated. Um, and obviously Villa at home. So Liverpool could finish this season with 71 points. That means United and Newcastle need to win two games each. United have got, quickly tell you, they've got Bournemouth away, Chelsea at home, and they've got Fulham at home. So I honestly think United will win two of those games. I don't see them not winning two of those games. The ones I worry about are Newcastle. Uh, you know, because that Brighton game is a tough one. But then I expect them to beat Leicester and maybe draw with Chelsea. So I think it's it's Newcastle who are the uh, the ones in the more, even though they're in third place above Man United with a much superior goal difference. I think Newcastle are the ones that will probably looking over their shoulder a little bit more than Man United. Well, there you go, guys. That's uh, the state of play at the moment. Um, it's been lovely to speak to uh, the two guys. And um, you've been listening to uh, Ray Bubbles and you've been listening to Bernard Deneen. We'll be back with you absolutely after the next game when these two guys will have so much to say about it. Uh, but until then, I think um, we'll finish off in the normal way by saying, have one on us and up the blues. Up the blues. Up the blues.